subdued and croaky James Troopney this week because yesterday I made the rather cardinal error of attempting to mow a lawn and had the most biggest hay fever attack of my life and I basically rode home on the bus blind because I couldn't see and my nose ran for seven hours. I've sat at home a lot today and watched wrestling through my one good eye. (laughs) And by gum, did I watch a lot of wrestling. This is a two-for-show, and to join me on this two-for-show is Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Show Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I am quite subdued as well. Not for hair fever reasons, for um, just a giant finger to windows and their operating system. Yes, Windows 10 are the joys by a Chromebook. It's Windows really isn't... 10 updates a week. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, I, as a person who works as an IT technician, where we have the Windows updates turned off until the end of the week when no one's working on it because we don't want it to crash. Um, so that's that's what we do. We essentially, there's a massive updates dump on Friday. Everyone turns the computers on on Monday morning and it works. Because when you're on a network, you can do that kind of thing, um, which is dead handy and why I recommend it if you if you can do that. Uh, however, we've got two shows. First of all, we're going back to, well, actually, they're both from last week. Um, there was the New Japan Dominion show, uh, which crowned a new IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion. That was Dominion 6.6 from Osaka Joe Hall, the famed Osaka Joe Hall. Um, and it was okay. And there was the day before the Cyber Fight Festival. Now, uh, I'm going to say we don't go in chronological order and we go off from Monday's show purely on the grounds that it's shorter. Yeah. Uh, kind of going to take a while. And to be fair, of the two shows, the Cyberfight show had more people at it <laughs> <laughs> and, and was arguably more important, though the Dominion show wasn't, you know, unimportant, but... It, they also did the show on a school night, so, you know, what can you do? Uh, but, of course, it's all because of, like, mismatched schedules. Uh, it was Dominion 6.6 on the 7th of June. Obviously, it couldn't have been on the Sunday, it would have, which would have clashed with the Cyber Fight show. And though, to be honest with you, I think you might have even had a lower turnout. Um, <coughs> but, <laughs> but it was in Osaka, and um, the Cyber Fight show was in Fukuoka. And... Um, yeah, it was uh, at Osaka, as it usually is, and it got delayed because of COVID stuff, so it got put in a bit later. And, of course, the main story going into this show was that Will Ospreay had to um, relinquish the title through injury. Um, and the two number one and number two contenders, Shingo Takagi and Kazuchika Okada, were to fight for the belt. And that's pretty much the story of the whole show. Plus, we had Despy versus... Um, yo, to catch up on, which should have headlined um, a previous show, but never got anywhere. So that was held over as well. It was basically a bit of sorting the house out and getting things in order for things to happen. Um, and the opening match was Bullet Club, Taiji Ishimori, Evil, Yudro Takahashi, Chase Owens, and El Fantasmo with Dick Togo. 
and they defeated Sho, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi in 11 minutes and 50 seconds. In a perfectly serviceable 10-man tag, the news out of this one really was that Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi continue onward as their thumping great never openweight championship reign continues unabated and may last the full 12 months. They've turned away all challengers and the Bullet Club group were looking to put in a decent challenge. They've got a win, so they're probably going to challenge next. But I honestly don't, and I never thought I'd ever hear myself say this, I never thought, I, I don't think I see anyone taking the Never Openweight Six-Man Championships off of Yoshihashi anytime soon. Do you, John? Well, not if the, the people they're expecting to use the team to challenge are evil ta- um, Yujiro Takahashi and Dick Togo. No. That's, that's not a team I see dethroning the most celebrated six-man championship holders in forever. Arguably the greatest six-man team. They've literally only been together a year, and they're already arguably the greatest six-man professional wrestling team in Japanese wrestling history. And that's, so, either, you know. that's either a testament to their chemistry or just how little we give a shit about those titles. I do, though. I actually care about those titles, and more people care about those titles because they're the champions. People actually have discourse about it now, whereas before it was always like, hey, it'll be a good opener with a bit of a blast and a bit of fun. They've had serious matches, they won them in a serious way, and they've been treated with respect. And it means they're a big deal now. Worthy of main event status on Road 2 shows, at least. So they did the right thing, I think, really. It's one of the few shining lights in booking in New Japan Pro Wrestling in the last 12 months. (laughs) Yeah, they have managed to make lemonade from that weird lemon. Yes, that is Yoshihashi. Um, No disrespect to Yoshihashi. Especially Christy, who'll be mean to me if I if I'm mean to Yoshihashi. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Um, it was There's just really good. To say to it, there was the odd funny moment, especially Taiji Ishimori being too small for Tanahashi to a suplex, uh, not a suplex, a sling blade on properly. Yeah, that was kind, kind of, of a funny moment. Kind of hooked him round the neck, and, and uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's like here we go, a sling blade. Oh God, he's not going down properly. Get down. Interesting side note from Rocky Romero that Hiroshi Tanahashi is practically an honorary member of Chaos. I'm not convinced he is. Yeah, Pra-. that's never going to happen. No, he's he's a regular art. He, he, he hangs out with Chaos these days in the kayfabe sense, and him and Ikada are mates. But they're kind of like, go down to the pub with your mates, mates, not like, you know, deep best friend mates. They have huge respect for each other and will go for a pint together and back each other up in a fight. But that's about as far as it goes. Uh, but I'd actually care, I would actually like Tanahashi to like become like a member of Chaos, just like full-on proper heel member of Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gets the phone call from Nakamura, it's time for you to take over. Go. That's it. But yeah. Anywho, we move on to the next match, which was Les Ignorables de Japon. Sonata, Tetsuya, Nato, and Bushi, they defeated Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Duki of Suzuki Goon. 11 minutes and 31 seconds of a perfectly saleable six-man tag match. The news out of this is that Dangerous Techers are once again the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. And Zack has promised they will never wrestle G.O.D. again. We'll see how long that lasts for. But 
Yeah, this was solid. I'm guessing I'm guessing that's going to last up until World Tag League <laughs> when they'll have to wrestle them again. But from now until then, it's a G.O.D. free zone in the I.W.G.P. Heavyweight Tag Team Championship division, which is no bad thing because you don't appreciate the aces when they win all the time. You have to have some relief. What's your thoughts on this one, John? I mean, it was fine. Again, as you said, perfectly serviceable, does what it says on the tin. And... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do you? annoys me, because... It's like, oh, cool, we haven't had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata in a while. I was kind of getting sick of that match. Oh, for God's sake. It's just Sonata's got another pin over Zack Sabre Jr., which means we're probably going to see Dangerous Techers versus Sonata and Naito, which should be exciting, but no, Sonata will be boring as hell. I I don't dislike Sonata. I do like Sonata. I like Sonata more in these first 18 months as a member of the New Japan roster. And what happens later on the show actually makes him more vital because the whole idea before was outsiders would never win the big one. We're not giving him much away when we just give you the main event result in this match, but I need to talk about this. Outsiders would never win the big one. And now a truly great outsider has won the big one. You know, they have to be really exceptional, like Jonichiro Tenru or, you know, someone, a massive name. And Sonata was not a massive name in wrestling. He was a good, serviceable main event style wrestler, but he wasn't like Keiji Muto or anything like that, his mentor. And now because the person who won the main event has won the main event and is now the world's champion, I suddenly see a pass to the world title for Sonata I didn't see before, just basically because he wasn't a New Japan guy. And um, I think that that does make him more exciting again. But I'm not convinced I want to invest time in him when get having a route to the championship just yet. He needs to do some stuff first. This stuff is not bad stuff to be doing, though. He's just grown so stale. Like, I, I liked him originally, I'm, as did everyone else. Then he became a Disney prince, and then... What the hell is he doing now, apart from milling about in tag matches, getting the occasional win? Like, well, I... Uh... You see, though, when he came, he was a proper heel. And now he isn't really a heel, but he isn't really a babyface either. He just looks indifferent to what's happening around him. He's just back to being a blank. Well, yeah. He's just blank. He buys nice clothes. And a lot of his talk about him on the internet is about his about his style and his presentation, which is great. And his wrestling's fantastic. But that character runs a fine line between being enigmatic and being boring. And on the minute, it's erring towards the boring side, not the enigmatic side. It's like you can't really see him holding, like, the ugly-ass belt giving some sort of rip-roaring... I did it speech, can you? He'd literally probably just hold it silently and then go and have a nap or something. It's like, that would be cool to some people, but to me it just screams boring. I mean, if Orange Cassidy won the World Heavyweight Championship, that would be great. And that's exactly what Orange Cassidy would do. But that's not the way it works for Sonata. (laughs) Orange Cassidy has more charisma doing nothing than Sonata has ever had. Oh, yeah, that I agree with. And Sonata, when he first knew Japan, had more charisma than he does now because he's anti-charismatic. He, kind of like he was anti-charismatic when he came the first time. 
and after three or four, three or four years of being happy-go-lucky, smiley baby face, and then the awful great Snyder and all sorts of things in um, Wrestle One and TNA, it wasn't, you know, just it, it was such a breath of fresh air to see him like that and creating this character that was intriguing and enigmatic and awesome. And then all of a sudden, after a well, not see all of a sudden, it just slowly dripped into being a guy that was just a guy. He wasn't. He didn't look special anymore. When he had the mohawk and when he had the black leather jacket, and yeah, he looked special. He looked like a dangerous guy, and it's amazing how much an outfit can change him. It doesn't. He doesn't look special anymore. Anyway, moving That's on. Weekly Sonata rant. Oh well, my weekly Sonata rant. While James here tries to defend him to me of the week. Oh, Dookie! By the way, awesome. See, I was I was on that train from day one. It's nice to see people finally catching up. I can't, I always liked him. I just didn't think he had the edge, but he's starting to feel like he has an edge. He has a use and he has a point and he isn't there just to make up the numbers in the best of super juniors and kind of hang on. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's a bit like now. Yeah, it's a bit like Chase Owens, who I know I'm not a particularly big fan of at this show, but Chase kind of got the call for Best of Super Juniors because they needed someone and he went and He's had a regular job ever since, you know, and he's he's a good enough character wrestler to keep a job in New Japan Wrestling forever, and he's a good enough mechanic to make what people look great, so he's never going to be without a job. And Dookie does fill the same kind of role, and he's started winning matches occasionally, and that's the important thing. As long as he keeps winning every once in a while, he will keep a job. <laughs> um, right then, moving on. A singles match for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. El Desperado successfully defended, accompanied by Yoshinubi Kanemura, to defeat Yo, who was accompanied by Sho, in 23 minutes and 40 seconds of an absolute corker. And the reason why this was an absolute corker was Desperado is actually finding the groove of being a junior heavyweight champion exceptionally quickly, and because Yo was really trying to treat this as a bit of a coming out party for his solo persona. Since Rapongi 3K of reformed obviously they're without rocky so it's less of a collective and more of two individuals teaming together but they didn't really have a narrative for yo show obviously that strong style power junior powerhouse kind of deal is very much cornered on him whereas yo was just kind of a really good wrestler called yo whereas now you can see where he's going with that character and it was incredibly thrilling to watch in my opinion maybe john's is different I was going to say, I enjoyed this. It was mm. really damn fun. Despy was kind of... He's like, right, I'm not going to be more popular than you are in this match, or at least I'm going to try not to be. So he was being sort of like villainous, evil sort of Despy to make you look better. And yeah, they just really got on with it. It was a nice, technical, hard-hitting bout. And yeah, nice coming out party for you, your Nice... First defense for Despy, it was all just pretty good. Yeah. A nice piece of booking all around. See, this is the kind of thing that New Japan have been doing really well. Like we said, with the six man championships and with the tag team titles and with this championship, everything's night moved along nicely. They've ticked over ticked over the undercard stuff really, really well. Even though they've had some disasters like losing Hiromu. It didn't really matter. I'm guessing he probably haven't drawn quite as much on the junior heavyweight stuff, and maybe special super juniors will show up a bit something different. But Hiromo likes coming to the shows and opening the shows and presenting them. 
and having some fun with the crowds. So it's not like you've lost out on that. It's just it, it's the main event, and and here we go. <laughs> Two matches that kind of sum up the problem, I guess. Not that the first one was particularly problematic, but it is just like, what are we doing here? We've got Jeff Carr, but he lost to Kota Ibushi in 40 minutes and 54 seconds. Again, the match quality, nothing wrong with it. I just don't understand why these two are wrestling each other. It didn't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Just like, ah, it was just two guys. I understand why, in one sense, they've got to make Jeff Cobb the focus of the United Empire because the great Okan, as good as he is, isn't ready yet. Um, and they've just lost their lead guy in that faction. So Cobb's the answer to the short-term issue to fix if oh, Osprey lose. So, but yeah, then again, so if he's if he's the big bad, why did he lose? <laughs> Ibushi can stand the loss. Because <laughs> we've we've got to we've got to make Ibushi look good for what comes later. Ugh. Yeah, and it's like, mm. it's, there was nothing the... wrong with this match. It was it was fine, a bit plodding at times, but like, oh god. Just when you think about the results for more than two seconds, you just kind of like, why the hell did this happen? Yeah, it's um, um, why are you putting the Bushi back in the main event scene so quickly? Well, his obvious reason for that is they haven't got anyone else. Tanashi isn't ready yet; he needs a bit of a break, um, and otherwise we're going to wear his knees out before the end of the year again. And you've also got NATO who's in a similar proposition, so they've tangled him up in tag teams, or at least he can have a bit of a rest. So why the hell you... don't they just pick someone at random? I, Dave Finlay, would be my shot at it. That I know they're saving him for the Never Open Weight Championship, but he's pinned the former champion in a tournament. Why isn't he in a one contender? You could if, you could have anyone really. Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking for a kayfabe reason to do it, Dave Finlay finished joint third in the best in the New Japan Cup. So you know. Um, Osprey won it. He won the title. He's dropped it. Shingo finished second. So why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you it's, go, Dave. It's a good yeah. idea. Dave Finley versus Jeff Cobb. Dave Finley loses. Doesn't really bother anything. You know, Dave's still got a shot at, at Jay White, and Jay White can, oh, you lost to Jeff Cobb for three months until that comes up. And then you can either have Jay lose the championship to Dave and go nuts, or you can have David. You know, lose to Jay and smooth sailing. But I, I mean, I don't know what plans they have down the line. But it all seems like the booking from one month to the next, which was never the way New Japan worked. Why it feels so disjointed? Like they always, they always had, a, they always had a plan B. This doesn't smack me of plan B. This smacks me of plan A three months ago that kind of went a bit woolly. And that's not mean. If Sorry, we were going to have this match before the title match, I'd have literally just had Cobb win, come out and bear it, like batter Shingo and just go round two for them. Because Finley's kind of. Where is Finley at the moment, actually? He would have been on. He'll be stuck on um, uh, isolation because it was a, it was a uh, Impact TV tape in the week before this. So yeah, you have like a a little interim where it's like oh. The United Empire is still not done with the title. Oh, yeah. And you can have another nice Takagi versus Cobb match and then go into Plan F. Yes. But no, we've gone with the Sonata route. 
Because that's literally yeah. all the boo she is at this point. Another fucking sonata. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Ibushi. and I, But they have failed to put the narrative on him that they wanted to. And all of that's spoiled. All of that comes from the fact they booked it really badly in the spring. <laughs> Which we've moaned about constantly. Both me, you and Christy have talked about all the time. Izabushi was not given a fair shake. Yes, he gets the belt at Wrestle Kingdom, beats NATO. Yes, that's great. Beats Jay White the next night. Yes, that really establishes him a star. And then he goes into the anniversary show saying, oh, I want to unify the belts. And the fans shit on it from a great height. Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll wrestle Despy. Um, Despy wants it for the title. Okay, then. But so therefore, Despy's instantly, even if you don't like, unless you make, unless Despy comes out and tries to murder him, which he didn't, then Despy's the babyface because he's the junior. Even if it wasn't surrounded by such odd circumstances. So Ibushi doesn't come across as the, the glorious babyface you need him to be. I mean, I understand gray, shades of grey and all that, but they should have just given him an unadulterated babyface run with both belts until they have to figure out how to get rid of one of the belts. And they managed to nuke him so hard in like three months. To the point yeah. that nobody wants to see him in anywhere near belts now. It, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like he needs he needs to give it a rest. This time last year he was the well, no, this time this like just at the start of the year. Hottest prospect. We've got an Ibushi as champion now. One of the greatest wrestlers ever known has got the biggest belt. Oh wait. No he doesn't anymore. Oh, wait, I don't want to see him anymore. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. they're putting him back in the main event scene and I want to cancel my subscription. Oh, great. It's like, how do you manage that so goddamn quickly? I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. We it's were just, just being positive because Despy had a great match. and now It was. But it gets to the point of we like what's the what's the bother? It, it's like watching Impact Wrestling, and I I don't really bother watching the men anymore because they're not interesting. So why 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 would why do you need them? The women's division Impact Wrestling is more than enough wrestling to keep me happy for a week. <laughs> so you know I I just watch the women and I'm not really bothered about the guys because boys are boring. But this is getting to the same point. Is like you may as well at whatever the the secondary championship matches on the card. Don't bother with the rest of it because something screwy will happen. But there you go. Anywho, main event time. Because Which... we've still got fifteen other matches to talk about yet. Yeah, so <laughs> let's 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 wrap this quickly because we've already been going for twenty-two minutes, and this is the shortest New Japan review you will have ever come across from us because there's so much to talk about in the other show. Shingo Takagi defeated Kazuchika Okada in 36 minutes and 6 seconds for the vacant IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship. And the ugliest belt in wrestling went around the dragon's waist in a very good match, which was excellent, but a bit long. Didn't need to be 36 minutes. Could have done it in 25. And they've got to stop these overly long matches because they're just wearing guys out now. That's that's Okada's issue. He's, he's wrestled that long for that many matches in that heavy duty style, where you know, I do talk about the fact that you know New Japan I think isn't as dangerous as people think it is, but equally, if you're running a main event every once a month at 40 minutes in length, it's not going to do you much good. And Okada's had more of those than anyone else because he's been the biggest guy in the company for the last seven years. So, what's he still trying to come back after COVID? 
Like, yeah. this, this is not a good... Like, is it a good test of cardio? Sure. Do you really want to be doing it? No. No. No, no, no. And again, you kind of, you do kind of ask yourself, like, I know they kind of got to keep a card of hot and ticking over. And it was reasonable. And it was it was nice for Shingo that he got the big match against the big star to really cement him as the new champion. But again, I was like, why does it have to be a card? Because he's, he's clearly not ready for it yet. But he would have been, I suppose, if he'd wrestled Osprey at the Dome. But again, it was just like, yeah, but he's had COVID too. So, I mean, I kind of look good. And the match itself was cracking. And the big story out of the match was Shingo didn't take the Rainmaker, which intrigues me. But the actual match itself was great. What were your thoughts on it, John? See, agreed. It was 10 minutes too long. I lost concentration on it multiple times. But when it got going, my God, did it get going. <laughs> I could not be happier with the result. Because Takagi is amazing, and Takagi can carry practically anyone to an excellent match. So he's an excellent stand-in for Okada, whilst Okada recovers his, like, star power and everything else he's kind of needing. Yeah. So you've got the perfect stand-in with another highly adaptable style, ironically with an even deadlier lariat. <laughs> it's, it's just... Ah, I loved those Rainmaker spots. Cause every time Hokkaido, you're like, oh, Rainmaker, oh, nope, Takagi's taking it up <laughs> again. And it's just like, hell yeah. There was, yeah. There was it's... a lot to enjoy, but again, typical New Japan, it was way too long and took slightly too long to get going. I'm, I'm wondering, like, I, I, I would really like, I hope they kind of like go with this narrative and you have like 14 draws in the G1. That would be ace. If they actually did it like that, everyone wrestles to half an hour, because like, we, we, we need them to be longer. We can't just... Because <laughs> G1 oh. round matches are only half an hour. Everyone this wrestles past 30 get, minutes. Like, we're suddenly going to start getting 20-minute Yano matches, and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I don't think you ever will. Why mess with the winning formula? However, Yano is IWGP heavyweight champion. That would be ace. Um, yeah. I, I, they're still trying to push that <laughs> again Rocky on commentary that beautiful belt really Rocky really really is it I'm so I can't remember if somebody said it but it's based on the, the second the, the, sorry the second generation belt like, yeah that belt was ugly as shit too <sighs> anywho uh, two wrongs will not magically make a right Rocky no, it will not. There's also the fact, as someone quite quite rightly pointed out, it's exactly the same shape as Cody's neck tattoo. <laughs> and once you know that, you can't unsee it, can you? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Oh, yeah. Why is that company so much existential dread? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Oh, and it's like, it's also, it's the fact like Akada just like in the interview on the way up to this was like, I, I really hate that belt. It's awful. I want it because it's the World Heavyweight Championship, but the belt is terrible. And Shingo said, well, it's, it's an ugly piece of metal, but yeah, it's the World Heavyweight Championship and it proves I'm the top dog in the company. It's the best title in the business, but it looks ugly as hell. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, mm, yeah. mm, but there you go. Is, is what it is and um, yeah Yurubushi came out and challenged Chingo uh, which should be a corker to be honest just because 
you know, the main reason for this is because Shingo in Dragon Gate, being one of the biggest guys in Dragon Gate, posted for all those guys, little junior heavyweights that flew around him. So he always had great matches in Dragon Gate because he could just, you know, boss everybody about and ring general everything. So with Ibushi, Ibushi can just spend 20 minutes bouncing off him and everything will be fine. <laughs> as long as they don't make it like a 40-minute match. I hope not. I really do hope not. Because neither... And I'm, this, this sounds really bad. And we're going to talk about this later today. But New Japan have an age issue. You know, for all of the wear out of Carter has, and for the fact that, he's, that his back's gone a little bit this year and he's starting to show the signs of light wear and tear, he's, he's like, still the youngest guy they've got in the main about, apart from Jay White. Isn't he like 30... 30... I want to say 34... Something like that. Let me have a look. I think he's th- I think he's thirty four. He's not that old in no. comparison to the others. Like Shingo's thirty eight, I think. He's th- Akada's thirty three. Shingo is thirty eight. Abushi's older, I think. Abushi's thirty nine. He just looks like he's twelve. Um, we're, not, we're not saying that this is bad, by the way. It's just that when your average age is like late thirties, having to do these sort of matches day in, day out, month in, month out is not going to get the most out of them. No, um, NATO's thirty-eight. Uh, tai Chi's forty-one. So yeah, basically, White is their youngest sort of main event caliber star at the moment. Uh, Jay White, uh, Jay White, Zack Sabre Jr., Kazuchi Kurokada, um, and Sonata. Uh, oh, Evil, well, what is he? Um, Evil's 32, I think. Yeah, and Evil, they're the only ones that have got, he's 34, <laughs> they're the only ones they've got who are under 35. So they've got five or six guys who could maybe last the next six or seven years in the main event position. But you've got to start elevating them over guys like Tanahashi and Nato. And I suppose Shingo's as good a start as any, but how many good years have you got in Shingo? It's going to be a stop, a, a whistle-stop tour of a championship, I guess. But I don't think, I think I'll hold it for more than one defence, but it's... I don't know got, Shingo's style... He's probably a lot more durable than some of them because it's not all kind of taking the world's deadliest bumps or continuously having to work at high speed. He's no, he's I more sort of, I'm going to kill other people rather than get killed myself and come back. <laughs> right then, shall we move to 24 hours before? Yes, to Cyberfight Festival. Something I was actually uh, really excited for. Uh, Satayama, I wasn't. It wasn't Fukuoka. It was Satayama Super Arena, um, which has been it's been a big venue down the years, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm looking for. Maybe not. I'm the, I, the way I looked at it, it looked like the place that. Um, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, I'm trying on. Sorry. I'm not um, gonna lie, I mistook it for the Budokan at first because that's just how tired I was when I started watching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um 
I've, yeah, it looked to me like the place that Gaia used to run their shows in the early 2000s, like their big shows. But I think that may have been Fukuoka. Um, having said that, uh, Gaia ran its first show in 15 years today. Oh, Gaiaism finally happened. Yes, it did. Um, uh, I was going to say it felt like it was never going to happen with all those setbacks. <laughs> yeah, no, the all of the original Gaia girls, Itami, um, Chigasuna Gaia, Mika Satomura, Itami, who else was the um, Chihiro, and oh, comedy wrestler we love, and I've forgotten Erota, all all tagged together for the first time in 15 years as a 10-man team against the rookies, I think. Oh, damn. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really cool. Um, Hirata wore her pink uh, leotard from being a rookie. Oh. I, wonder, I wonder if it's still got the blood stains the LCO left on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let us move on. So we're looking at Cyberfight Festival, a joint card between DDT, Noah, and TJPW. Me and Christy looked at some TJPW a few weeks ago, so she'll be very happy that we're looking at this again this week. She does love her some TJPW. We've looked at Noah recently. Me and you looked at Noah's big show from a couple of months ago. And this is, I believe, the first DDT show, the Trippany show it's ever looked at. Oh, damn. Yeah, because we just it's just something I've missed. But when you look at the... To be honest, it's not been accessible up until Wrestle Universe being like fairly ubiquitous for wrestling fans. And we, I didn't have it, and you know uh, there was so much New Japan stuff going on at the time, we didn't really cover it. And um, also, there's the fact that the early stuff we haven't got to it in the beginning as guys to Japan yet because it only happened 20 years ago. We like vaguely touched on it last week with Onita Pro. Yeah, but we didn't talk about it specifically. We can now find early DDT shows, I'm sure, to add to the Beginner's Guide to Japan, and we'll explain an awful lot of what's going on on this show, um, certainly in a few matches' time. But let us start at the beginning. And the beginning was a Tokyo Joshi match, which was an eight-woman tag, uh, which featured B-Star, Mirami Malumi, and Suzumi, Arasu Endo, and Hironeko, and Mikio Miyamoto. I forgot it was a 10 man tag, I clearly can't count. And they defeated Kaya Torabami, Mahiru Kairu, Neo Kakuta, and Pom Harajuka, and Raku in 12 minutes and 29 seconds in a match that was really kind of reminded me of watching the ADAW big shows in the 1990s, where you had all of these young lasses going hell for leather for 15 minutes, throwing the kitchen sink at their opponents and no selling everything because they were trying to get over as quickly as they possibly could. <laughs> and this reminded me of that. It's nowhere near as violent or risky, but yeah, I love watching the opening TJPW show matches because they're just, they're just on. And it's big move after big move and go, 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 go for 10 minutes. And I, you can't not like wrestling like that. What did you think of it, John? Yeah, I have the exact same opinion. It's just fun. And of course, Pom Harajuku's in the mix. So of course, something chaotic's going to happen. They're just, yeah, nice clash of personalities, wrestling styles, and, yeah, 12 minutes of just really good wrestling. 12 minutes of Joshi, heaven. If you don't like like this match, you don't like Joshi. Simple as that. It's what Joshi should be about. Just young wrestlers having the time of their lives on a big big tournament, sorry, a big big show on a big card in a big building. That's what Joshi's about, in my opinion. That's what I love when Joshi at his best. 
And the best thing with, like, especially with TJPW wrestlers is they all have such, like, unique characters. Like, you're not going to mistake one for another because they've all got, like, highly unique gear or highly unique characters and highly unique moves. As well, I think that also means that the the AJW girls back in the 90s and and especially, well, definitely in the 80s and certainly in the 90s, and the Gaia women that followed as well kind of had the, the indignity of just being stock like the young boys in New Japan are now. Um, and the great thing about TJPW is they don't get on the roster until they've got a sense of direction in the character. So therefore, they've already, they've already got recognition pretty much as when they start. Um, and you can follow them through the dojo, much like they used to do back in the AJW days. But it's much, much easier, and that means there's less stress on them being absolute stellar workers. Not that they aren't, but, you know, it's less pressure. It looks like they're having fun. Like, you you go back and watch some of those cards in the 90s with Akira Okoto, Manami Toyota, and Aja Kong. They look like they're going to murder people. <laughs> they probably did. The flat out murdered people. I've seen when I've seen Akira Okoto like take people's heads off, and it's just like, sorry, just business. Got to go home with being over. <laughs> it's, my, it's my business to be a wrestling god today, and you are in the way. Whereas you don't get that with this because they're just having fun, and it's much more of a group effort. It also reminds me of early days of Ice Ribbon as well, because that was very much like that too. Just girls together having fun and playing a wrestling show together. But there's a bit more of an edge to it as you go further up the card. And that's what I like. It's kind of like nicely balanced. But anywho, should we move on to the pre-show delayed entry battle royal? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do your pie trick of reading out the results or shall I do it this time? Uh, I can do it if you want. Go on then. So, Antonio Honda defeated Akito Ishisaito, Kazuki Hirata, Makoto Oishi, Masao Inoue, Mohamed Yone, Saki Akai, Shuhei Taniguchi, Shusakurai, Toru Awashi, Yoshiaki Yatsu, and Yuji Hino, and Yuna Manase, and Yusuke Okada, and Yuya Koroku. In 22 minutes and 31 seconds, and I'm pretty sure Antonio Honda had an erection during this match. It's quite a possibility. Uh, Antonio Honda is just, he's something else. (laughs) His character used to be that he got too worked up during wrestling matches and usually screwed himself over. So these days it's more, I fall over, hurt myself, tell a story and attack people with Gone the Fox. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but back in the day, it would be he'd be fighting, and then all of a sudden he just collapse because it's like oh, too much, too horny, and just yeah. I think they changed that character because Dino exists. Yeah, I suppose so. That makes sense, really. Um, also opening this battle royal, former New Japan and All Japan main eventer Yoshiyashi Yatsu, and also former Re- Olympian for the Japanese wrestling team. Um, didn't get to go to the 1980 games because of the boycott. Wrestled in the 76 games. Didn't get to go to the 1980 games. Was going to go to the 1984 games. But believe it or not, the IOC, the Japanese, no, it was the IOC said he was a professional athlete because he was a professional wrestler and couldn't go, even though he'd qualified for the Japanese Olympic team. I'll tell you what caught me by surprise, though, because 
when he you came to the, when he came to the ring, he was limp. It looked like he was limping. I was just kind of like, oh. And then all of a sudden, he takes like these trousers off, and he's got a prosthetic leg, and I was just like, oh shit. Yes, That's... he's got he's got diabetes and lost his leg two years ago. Oh god. I mean, yeah. they didn't stop him clearly, but like no, nah, no, nah. and it's uh, it was like yeah, I I was like, what's the story here? Because he got a massive ovation. The crowd went crazy for him, as much as they go crazy in a COVID count. They clapped really loudly, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And I recognised that dude. And Yoshiaki Yatsu was—he um, was one of Ricky Chosu's proteges. He tagged with him in New Japan. They went to All Japan in the first ex- first um, Exodus from New Japan to All Japan um, under that big angle in the early '80s. And he—he he actually stayed in All Japan. He didn't go back to New Japan. Um, and had big matches in all Japan and then went back to New Japan um, later in his career. He did one G1 as well in the 1990s. And yeah, he was a big name. Um, unfortunately, he has diabetes. But he's clearly controllable or else they won't let him go do things like that, would they? No, this... He did put in a lot of work as well. Yes, he did. I also point out, like as we discussed this a couple of weeks ago with the um, Hannah Kimura show, Battle Royals in Japan are for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, no one takes them seriously. There's, 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 don't worry about it. Just just treat this as another universe where all the guys from DDT, Noah, and TJPW were just having a bit of fun for the afternoon. To be fair, Yuji Hino looked like you still out to murder people. But that's just Yuji Hino. Yeah, he just does that. <laughs> but everyone else... Um, I'm still not 100% well versed in Noah, but I I don't quite like understand the um, faction that basically looked like the Bee Gees. All right, so um, that will who, be who were the Disco dudes? That will be. Um, hang on, I've got the name of Mia because I, like I Saito Inoue Yone and they had another member who I cannot remember. Uh, that was the Funky Express. Right. Now, I've heard that uh, name before, but I do not know the prestige, the lineage. I just knew they came out and I started dying <laughs> because I, I just saw people in, like, 70s disco apparel. And I was just kind of like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, this was started by Mohammed Yone, who, of course, um, he, he, the bloke with the afro. Yeah. Um, and who's had a... Who, who actually started in battle arts and is a badass shooter. He actually has done MMA in his career. Because <laughs> when me and... they all look like like tough, oh. salty old bastards, but then <laughs> just, I don't, I can't tell if they're reliving the glory days of disco because they were there for them. Or Yone's been around forever. He's been a Noah guy forever. He's quite. He actually started off, like I said, he started off in Battle Arts. and Because um, when me and Dara did the Battle Arts show from tw- 20, 2000, I think, or 2001, I was looking at the rosters then, and they were, they were in a feud with Zero One, um, Hashimoto's company. Mm. And um, was it the Zero One? Or is, yeah. And I thought he was in Zero One because he's like a pro-style wrestler, but no, he was actually in Battle Arts at the time. Um, and so I was like, "Ah, oh, that's intriguing." Anyway, he he ended up signing with Pro Wrestling Noah um, after he ran out with Battle Arts, and he's just been with them ever since. And he's always been there. Like I can remember watching highlights 
best of Nigel McGuinness from around about 2007 or 8 or something like that. And it was always Noah tag matches. And Yone's in all of them. <laughs> he's just been like one of those backbone guys on the roster because he's a character wrestler. You can stick him in anywhere. He's exceptionally talented. He can go when you need him to. And this is his latest vehicle. When he isn't doing commentary, and I think he does commentary later on this particular show, because uh, he speaks... a massive range of like guest commentators across the yeah. five and a half hours of this show. Yeah, he's. I mean, you know, he also speaks very good English, hence why he was been commentating for the for the English table. Uh, but yeah, it's Actishu Sato, uh, who's speaking of salty old bastards, <laughs> say yeah. in a way, and Shuhi Taniguchi, um, all of whom are, are no veterans. They're all veteran wrestlers, and yeah, um, he had to, he had a tag team with um, Quiet Storm for years and years um, from 2016 to 2020. And had for a long, lastly, before that, on and off. And when Quiet Storm didn't get his contract renewed, he had to have something new to do. So instead of having one friend in the funky powers, he got three friends together in in there. I kind of wondered if there'd be a rebirth of the funk masters of wrestling. Uh, ah, see what I did there? Uh, ah. I'll get me coat. Anyway. Say, you must be that proud of that one. I was. I thought I sat there thinking, Funk, how can I work this in there? Um, <laughs> forever. Yes, let's move on. Um, Sorry, can we just talk about the fact Harata came down on a fucking hoverboard? Oh, yeah. And he that was, didn't that was fall off. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harata's uh, really sort of picked up some steam at the moment because he used to just be dancing jobber man. But like now people really want to see him because he's hilarious. And some uh, that's actually what was somebody said on the cage match comments about him as I was looking people up. He said, I used to think he was dreadful, but it, it's really catchy character and it's got me. <laughs> it was just proof positive if you do something for long enough, eventually people will come around to your way of thinking. I just love the fact he started dancing because he thought he'd taken out Saito and then Saito just kills him. Which is like... Yeah, <laughs> that's what Saito's there for. <laughs> Oh dear. Saito used to be here like three weeks ago and then he joined this group. Anyway, um, six man tag match was also pre pre show tag match. Kuki Iwasaki, Sichiro Katsumura, Yume Himeto, and Imanari. Uh, Yumehito Imanari, sorry. They defeated Kasuki Ishii, Ken Oka, and Shota in eight minutes and 43 seconds of a perfectly good match. Yeah, it was another one of those just fun sort of explosive six-man tag matches to get the crowd worked up. Yeah, it was nothing wrong with it, really, to be honest with you. I, um, think, I think it was just a nice bit of, I think it's Gamba they're all from. Yeah. Yeah, Gamba. Which I was trying to see. It's a DDT affiliate. Yeah. I know. Sh uh, oh, Shosh yeah. is just classed as DDT now. Hmm. There you go. Um, and then there was not else really. Well. There's a lot of things with matches in this where there's not a lot to be said for stuff. Fun, <laughs> like yeah. there's no sort of there's no really bad matches on this show. They're all no fun at a minimum and serviceable at worst. It's yeah. It's not like you sat there for like twenty minutes watching bloody evil job out to Sonata or something. It's all. It's all a lot faster paced for most of it. 
And I would I would like to see their COVID protocols because they didn't seem to be cleaning the ring often enough for my tastes. But I think they I think they did it once. Yeah, but it's supposed to be after every third match, isn't it, or something? That's what New Japan were running. They're so probably think... like, do we reckon we can get away with this? We need to cut out like an hour minimum. Yeah, possibly. I imagine, given the sort of average age of Noah wrestlers, a lot of them are probably vaccinated. Hopefully. Um, the vaccinations think... in Japan haven't really rolled out very well. Um, yeah, that's, that's my only sort of yeah. They... That I was just I was about to say. Then again, they're um... it's. I mean, in one sense, I completely understand them, but the Japanese government have much higher standards on drug releases than the European or American nation American. Um, uh, authorities do, which means, and that's perfectly reasonable. But however, people are dying, so maybe get on with it, lads. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. But the actual crowd were well socially distanced in, in a stadium that's probably around was would fit thirty five thousand, only had five thousand people in it. It was pretty going to be pretty safe, really. And the crowd made themselves heard. Um, should we go on to the next match? Yes. Junta Miyawaki and Kinkya Okada defeated Toi Kojima and Yuki Ino in the first of the DDT versus Noah matches. It was a win for Team Noah, I think. I'm just making sure. Yes, before I make myself look a complete fool. Yeah, poor Ino. He came back and his faction basically broke up to form the 37 Kamina. And so he's kind of a little lost now. Oh. He didn't even get to do his full hacker either. Probably because he was told he only had eight minutes. <laughs> the hacker takes about one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But it was good. It was good. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Akada and Miyawaki are a good team. But again, it is just kind of like, this didn't have any heat in it. And the next match down the line where you have DDT versus Noah had some serious heat in it. And it was a lot more fun to watch. But I guess they didn't want to take away from that match because that was a really important match. And this one was just... I think just you're a... forgetting what the next DDT versus Noah match actually is. I am. That was a fun match. I mean, all right, the one later down the card is what I meant, not necessarily the next one. The next one's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Hyper Misawa, Shoko Nakajima, they defeated Hakunuchumi, that's Mio Watanabe, and Rake Rikes Tatsumi, and Bakuretsu sisters, Nadoka Tenma and Yuki Aino in eight minutes and four seconds. Misawa and Nakajima are fun. <laughs> That's what we said about Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's fun. And they're a fun tag team. And they had a fun oh, wrestling match. Will you see a superhero and a kaiju team up together? Exactly. Very rarely. I think Christy said that last time we looked at Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Oh, God. Speaking of kaiju... Did you see that um, Jushin Thunder Liger fought Godzilla? Uh, I've, I've been waiting for that to happen for years, to be honest with you. I think it was the Super J-Cast tweeted about it. Oh, cool. That's yeah. awesome. Liger jobbed out to Godzilla. It was quite fun. <laughs> it was like, oh, he broke retirement to fight Godzilla. I hope they were being sarcastic. I feel like they should be being sarcastic there. I'm hoping so, too. Because... That's... Let's face they do they do take their wrestling very seriously over yeah, J Cast. If you get the chance to see Jushin Thunder Liger versus Godzilla, Legacy be damned, I wanna see that. 
I don't care. <laughs> if Liger's fighting Godzilla, I want front row seats to it. And sadly, I can't because travel restrictions, but it looked fun. I'll have to send you the tweet if you haven't already seen it at some point. I haven't seen it, no. No, I think I'm sure they would probably, you know, have a sense of humor about it. Most of those voices wrestling guys have got senses of humor about stuff, you hope. <laughs> I just I happened to catch it yesterday and I was like, that's cool. Like I, I'm glad like a fought Godzilla. Yeah. If nothing else, it. that is the ultimate marketing campaign for Japan. <laughs> Come like, to Japan. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Godzilla. Here's two <laughs> Japanese legends battling it out. Uh, but yeah. There's this, a cat. Okay. I was just going to segue us back, but there's more to this. Go on then. I was just going to say, and yeah, speaking of fun, this three way tag match really thought of just, again, all cylinders going Joshy action. It was really damn fun. <laughs> yes, let's just get back to the fighting. Where was we? Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, no, this tag match was ace. Uh, all of those young women are awesome wrestlers, and they had eight minutes and they filled it exceptionally well. Uh, there was a match that was very similar to this on the show that me and Christy watched. I think it may have had the same wrestlers in it, to be honest with you. But hey, if it worked well once, it'll work well twice. And this I was really fun. A lot of the time, that um, like the TJP stars will kind of get used to fighting each other because there's always a lot of like multi-women tag matches to open shows. And there's a lot of dependable hands for those sorts of matches. And then obviously you've got an interchanging sort of upper card bit. So they all will have like really great chemistry with each other. Excuse me. Mm. But yeah, no, it was good. Well worth the fight, definitely. Shall we move on to the next one? I can't believe how good this was. And Shucky Dino and Super Sadango Machine, who does like a PowerPoint, lost, sadly, in a very close court affair. Uh, to Kazushi Sikiroba and Takashi Sugiara from Sugiara Gun in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. And for those of you who don't know, Sugiara is, Takashi Sugiara has been kind of one of the faces of Noah for God knows how long. He's kind of, he's 51. He's been wrestling for 20 years, which means just, yeah, just boy, bear in mind, he started when he was 30. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time I saw Sugiara in action was against Ornita. Yes, um, Segura's, I mean, he, he, he's been around forever, basically. And his nickname is Killing Machine. And he was taught to wrestle by Teyu and uh, Honda and Takayama, you know, well-known kind. He was a literal killing machine here, because he had Sakuraba in his corner. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Kazushi Sakuraba, former USC heavyweight champion, when he was a junior heavyweight, that's just how tough he is. Sakuraba can break bones by just looking at you. Um, but also has a cracking sense of humour and loves pro wrestling yeah. so much. <laughs> of, of course, course the, uh, best, the best team to send out against actual killers is Pino and Sasadango Machine, of course. Well, you see, this is it. If they'd sent out their toughest guys, they knew how to fight them. <laughs> That's is, easy. Whereas you send out... 10-minute PowerPoint detailing exactly... How Dino and Sasadango Machine were going to stop Sakuraba and Sagira. Yes. 
which you know is just it, it's DDT to the absolute max. Um, and God bless them, Sakuraba Sajira just played along and and had fun whilst they did it. Because I thought, what they're going to do here? Because they could just murder them if they wanted to, <laughs> and they didn't. I think this is the first time I've ever seen Sasa Dango Machine take his mask off, and it was literally yes. just so he could put pantyhose on his head. <laughs> and and Sugiara went with that, and then new pantyhose on his head too. And, and he kept them on during the entire celebration. He's just like, at, at this point, I'm, I'm just, I, uh, yep, I am now one with the pantyhose people. I yes. look like some kind of BDSM rabbit. We will, we will live with this. Yes, and like Dino is such a part of DDT history. He's such a massively problematic character to talk about because, like, he is he is essentially a walking framework of sexual assault. Um, but as much as I have the problems with that bit, there is the like he is just such a good performer at what he does and knows exactly mm-hmm. what to do, and has got better as he's got older. Well, he just had a cracking match against Akiyama last month. Yeah, that was like, it. Like, he he's such an odd wrestler because he can really wrestle when he turns it on, and then he's got this character he can fall back to to just, right, uh, I'm in a tag match, so I don't really need to turn it on. I've got me spots. I've got me gimmicks. I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> you have to bear in mind that... It... He started out in the All Japan Dojo and flunked out of the All Japan Dojo and then went to DDT essentially because no one else would have him and became this massive star. Like that story in itself is like worthy of my respect. Um, but again, it's just the character does my editing because it's like, you're amazing, but this character is awful. And I know that's the point, but nah. <laughs> yeah, I, as much as I want to hate it, I can't because it's too funny. Yeah, it's just, he, he makes it lovable, which he shouldn't he's, do, but it's, yeah. He is less problematic than Maku, I will say that. Yes, this is true. Um, but yeah, and, you know, the, the, his actual life story as a wrestler. I think it, I can't remember who it was, but him and one of the guys he was in the dojo with also left All Japan at the same time. He went to the All Japan dojo and couldn't cut it, and they went to DDT. And it was they went back to All Japan a couple of years ago. Akiyama may have been in charge of All Japan at the time, which may have led to this deal, funnily enough. And they targeted the All Asian Tag Team Championships, and they they went there and said, "Look, we we want to. We've always considered ourselves All Japan guys because we started in the All Japan dojo, and we want to prove ourselves in our." home territory and we want to win an all japan title and that that was a nice little mid-card story for them but you know it shows you the ddt guys take their wrestling seriously and they're really good at it it may not be your cup of it may not be your cup of tea but they are really really good at entertaining people definitely yeah uh what's next oh yes Masa Kisiyama defeated Hideki Okutani in 2 minutes and 25 seconds. That was over really quickly. Honestly, didn't get what was happening there. Just kind of went, boom. Well, that was quick. Okutani is part of um, John Retsu, so he's been learning under John Akiyama. Oh, okay. He did show some of those things and a nice bit of, like, rookie fire, but he got flattened in the end by Kitamiya. It just... You can learn all the things in the world, but Kitamiya will still kill you. Yes, um, 
That was a Noah versus DDT match, which does beg a belief why they put a rookie in against someone who's like really good. <laughs> That's DDT in a nutshell, isn't it? It's like anything it. you think is going to happen is probably not going to happen. Yes. And then we went to a six-man woman tag. Uh, Hikaru, Noah, Mizuki, and Yuki Arai lost to Yuki Kamafuki, Marika Kobashi, and the irrepressible Maki Ito in one of the biggest moments for the company, I think, because Maki Ito is over like Rover. And to be fair, so is Kamafuki and Kobashi. This was awesome. I really enjoyed this. A kind of a modern Joshi kind of him in my kind of thing fun irreverent but serious wrestling done very very well and i really enjoyed this what are your thoughts on it yeah this again was excellent like tjpw stars really know what they're doing they really know what their roles need to be and they're just really damn good at sort of filling them the fact ito got kobayashi and kamifuku in on her entrance as well it's like oh yeah you're gonna be my backup singers it's like are we it's like yes we're all going to say. <laughs> and believe it or not, no, Hikari Noah wants to be a deathmatch wrestler, which yeah. is why I respect her a ton, because she, um, she got the main event of the first TJPW Inspiration show where she had a hardcore match against Rini Yamashita, and she really impressed Yamashita. And mm. it's like, I want to do deathmatch next. And it's like, I'm just waiting for the moment she finally gets to do a deathmatch because it's going to be insane. Hmm. No death okay. antics here, but like you had Noah, Mizuki, and Arai all showing off against the eventual winning team. And yeah, it's again just great fun, great personalities clashing together in another melting pot of action with slightly more heat than the last tag because there were some nasty spots. There was. There was some stiff stuff, but it was fun. Still fun. All right, then. Next up was the six-man tag. Momo Nishayan tagged uh, tag, which was Asushi Katige and Daisuke Harada. And Hejimi Harara defeated Stinger, Hayata, Seki Yoshiki, and Yoshinaro Agawa in 13 minutes and 13, 33 seconds. Uh, this was um, Noah uh, kind of on, trying to remember they know her as well. Yeah, that, Noah. it was... Yeah, Noah, Noah on Noah violence. Um, but it was good violence. I was going to say, this thing is like Noah's evil boogeyman. Who have great music taste because they came out to Rob Zombie. So I was already rooting for them before the match had even begun. Yeah. So this I, was the problem last time we watched the Noah show as well. It's like, oh, you're not supposed to like Stinger, but they've got great music taste. <laughs> and it is, it's Noah Junior heavyweight wrestling. Which is the most insane wrestling on earth? Not from a crazy angles and characters point of view, but they literally turn in each other from week to week basis. People drop in and out of groups like there's no tomorrow. Um, uh, Hisame on Twitter, who covers uh, all sorts of Kings Road wrestling, she she put out this morning. Let's see what's going on in the no Noah Pro Wrestling Judy Heavyweight Division today, as because uh, she knew you know something crazy will happen because they will. But they, I would actually argue, as this showcase so many wrestlers, they've actually got a stronger junior heavyweight division than New Japan at the minute. Well, yeah, because there's more people in it. It's, it's actually more... giving some proper attention. Yeah, because something's always happening. Right, let's it's say like... it wasn't until Hiromu came back that they probably started 
that New Japan started properly going back to junior stuff because it's like, right, we've got standings for Hiromi, we've got our tournaments, but other than that, sod it, we don't really care. Oh, Hiromi's back, right, back to full-on junior stuff because he's our most popular junior and we've never bothered to build another one. Yes, and they accidentally made this star in Desperado. <laughs> yeah, Despy was making himself a star anyway, but he, they accidentally turbocharged that through the um, best of Super Juniors. But they, there is no way that Despy becomes a star and the main guy with Hiromo being there, despite the fact that they've had like the longest standing junior rivalry of the modern age. Yeah, and it just and it just doesn't make any sense because it was. I mean. It's Dynamite and Tiger Mask all over again. Dynamite never beat Tiger Mask. And you can make that work for a while, but, you know, it's, yeah. It, they did it week in, week out, I suppose. Or every tour, I suppose. Every three weeks, Dynamite and Tiger Mask would wrestle each other, and it was awesome. And that's how you managed to keep things going. But they can't have those kind of matches all the time, can you, now? Because, <laughs> you know. work rate we have these days. No. Well, to be honest, yeah. When we look at Tiger Mask and Dynamite, one of them ended up in a wheelchair, and the other one, like, well, he's a bit mental. So yeah, it's it's not something you should really do. No, no, not at all. But yeah, going back to this, who started? But we talk about New Japan Division, and we're not giving these guys actual proper props. We should do. They're just yeah, so good. Awesome. Yeah, it's just so good. Um, just the they're ta- they're talented. I mean, they the actually like the. I would say, let me get this straight. I would say Noah and BJW, from what I've seen of it, have the two best junior divisions in Japan. Just because they're, I mean, DDT don't really have a junior division, do they? Not particularly. No. So I mean, they but they've got numbers and they've got everyone works and they all go. And this was the kind of match that showed that off really, really well. Yeah, it was just kind of continuously, like, fast-paced, really technically sound, really hard-hitting, character-based sort of destruction condensed in under 15 minutes. It yeah. was really damn... Like, this is what I noticed when we did the other big Noah show as well. It's like... If they're going to do multi-man tags, they're still really damn compelling. They're not just, like, throwaway stuff. There's usually some story or some angle. Yeah, or they're just straight-up great wrestling matches. So, anyway, it's like watching... I think the only thing in New Japan, just to give you a comparison, because I know a lot of people listen to the show listen to a lot of New Japan, imagine Chaos Wrestling LIJ. It's that kind of level of smooth, but all the time. <laughs> like not, not like ten people milling about a ring to open a show. Yeah, it's just like they're they're all smooth. They can all go, and and they just wrestle each other for ten minutes, and there's a bit of an angle at the end, and that's it. But it was good, and which would be the same. I think the kind of similar kind of thing could be said for the next match, but in a different way. Tetsuki Sasaki, Samo Takeo, and Tetsu Yuendo with Mad Pauly of Damnation defeated Thirty Seven Kamina Mayo. Shunma Katsumata and Chris Books in 14 minutes and 36 seconds. They're not all junior heavyweights, but they can all go. And they are much more character-based, but they make that work for them in this match. So these two matches were kind of similar, but completely different, if that makes sense. 
oh, this match was hard. Because, like, I love Tetsuya Endo, and I love Shunya Katsumata, and Brooks, and Mao, and just everyone in the DDT sort of faction division is always amazing. Like, Endo is one of the stars of the company. Brooks has really become, like, the top guy in and all of Japanese wrestling. Katsumata, again, deathmatch boy. Just done a lot of BJW stuff. Mao, I've seen live. Brokolite. There's just a lot of top guys here, and they're all putting in top guy performance. And it's just another really fun car crash of a tag match. <laughs> no, yeah, it was really, really good and thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and then we get to the meat and potatoes of this particular card, shall we say, in my opinion, anyway. So, Eruption, Kazuda Higuchi and Yukio Sakaguchi tag-teamed with Akito and Naomi Yoshimura, along with Yuki Naya and the boss of DDT Pro Wrestling, Sanshiro Takagi, to take on the challenge of Kongo, Heo, Kasuki Nakajima, Keno, Manubi Soya, Neo, and Tadasuke, and they they won in 19 minutes and 59 seconds. Now, Keno has never smiled in his life, clearly has no sense of humor whatsoever and he doesn't like ddt because it's not i'm i'm flashing my fingers in quotation marks proper wrestling um and therefore they challenged the guys from ddt to prove what proper wrestling is um and lowered themselves to the ddt level and lost i'm kind of this is a rematch from not a direct rematch, but this originally happened at Wrestling Peter Pan Night 1 last year when mm. uh, Cyberfight bought out Noah and uh, Keno and Takagi got into this proper sort of argument and Congo beat the original DDT army. Now this this is the second in this sort of war and we're at 1-1, which... Only leads me to believe we're going to have a third Congo versus (laughs) DDT match, and I hope to God it's as crazy as this one was. This is just this this is just match of the night, as far as I'm concerned. It's just everything you can possibly imagine going wrong in a match. I mean, Congo has been together since 2019, and um, it's got some heavy eaters like Keno and like Tatsuji Nakajima. Everyone in this this team can go, and then you look at the all star team that DDT put together. Higuchi is so good, and Sakuchi is so good, and they're all good wrestlers. Um, and of course, they were accompanied by Yoshiko. We can't forget her. <laughs> oh, they were instrumental to DDT getting the win. Yes, um, it was a double choke. Um, I believe they got the victory for the team. Um... Uh, Sakaguchi had Keno choked out as Takagi powerbombed How to get the win. It was just, ah. Oh. I just love the fact that Congo came out all business, ready to go, and DDT have Mecha Mummy parts, they've got the jetpack, <laughs> they've got the DDT UFO bike, you name it, every gimmick is there just to properly piss them off. Yeah, it's, it's the whole, everything's there. 
And what raises me is like Minoru Suzuki, who is the darkest of the dark arts master of professional wrestling, has ridden that bike. <laughs> but Keno can't get his head around why people would like this stuff. Um, and it is, it is essentially the manifestation of um, what the, the wrestling match you'd like Jim, Jim Cornette's psyche to be in. With Keno as Jim Cornette. <laughs> it is just like, but it shouldn't be popular. But it is, because it is, because it's fun. Let it be. And they can go. And they proved it, because they were just as good a wrestlers as you were. Comedy wrestling is not easy at all. And obviously, I know this is a, this is a, this is a, a work, and, you know, they probably weren't that angry, but I can imagine they weren't that best pleased. <laughs> I mean, do you see the way Kenwa was just attacking... Like Takagi throughout most of this match, just Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it. It was just insane. And of course, the the thing is, Takagi is Keno's boss. At the end of the day, he's been brought into Noah to try and right the ship, and has been doing a very good job of it. Um, so you know, I'm sure Keno is quite grateful he has a job because the company was on its uppers like two years ago. Um, and when Cyberfire came in and bought it out, it's done them no end of good because they've got the money together to be able to put Lizzie together to put big shows together, and they've built compelling storylines. We'll talk about how they've gone about that when we get to the main event, but more people watching Noah now than they have been in a long, long time. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, so the next up was 37 Kimina, Kansuki Takeshita, 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 Shita, I'll get it right, and Yuki Ueno defeated Keito Kiyomori and Yoshiki Inamore in 17 minutes and 51 seconds in another DDT versus Noah tag match, which was okay. It was pretty good, but by God, it was long. It seemed like it went on forever. Right, good. We are in agreement here. Because yeah. a few of the people I know that have watched this show loved this match, like beyond belief, and I'm just there like, I feel like it was a bit too long. Yeah, no, I mean, I could see why it was there, because you want something that's less... Pro- You've just had that massive storyline tag match with all of the fireworks going off. You want that palate cleanser to get you to the main event. But a palate cleanser shouldn't be 20 minutes long. It was. It's interesting because you've got, like, Takashita and Ueno, who are another two, like, aces of the company at the moment, against Kiyomiya and Inamura, who I'm assuming are aces of Noah. And it's... It is really good, and they mesh really well, but, like, after a while, you're just kind of like, how is this still going exactly? Especially, well, with again, with some of the spots they're taking, you're like, oh, well, this could have ended, like, five minutes ago now. I mean, Inamora's, yeah. I mean, Inamora's kind of, like, back on his way up. He's been a bit lost this year, um, but they're considering him as a future ace and main eventer. And, you know, so they're trying to rebuild him, I think, is basically the storyline. And this is part of his, of his rebuild, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it, it was nothing wrong with it. It was very good. And they're four great wrestlers. But I kind of wanted it to be shorter because I wanted to get to the main event. We were like in hour four at this point and we just kind of tired. Yes, it was kind of don't bore us, get to the chorus kind of time. <laughs> Uh, as the Beatles once wisely said. Um, and then, indeed, by gum, <laughs> we have three corking main events to talk about. Mayumi Yashita 
successfully defended the Princess of Princess Championships against Yuki Sakazaki in 16 minutes and 31 seconds. The two most established women in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling show why they are the aces of that company and arguably two of the best female wrestlers in the world. This was outstanding. Mio is the ace of this company. I've only seen a couple of her matches in TJPW, but I have very rarely seen people really stamp their authority as an ace on the company in the way that Miu does. She is such a good main eventer, and that's nothing against Sakazaki, who is awesome and a wonderful main event wrestler too, but this just kind of like embodied what Joshi should be about and kind of embodied what a main event match should be about, especially in such heavy company where they were presented as equals to the men, and that's really important. Definitely. I think, yeah, yeah, one hundred. I mean, the 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 thing is, last time you had a, I can't remember, like a big arena style show where you had women main eventing with men. You're looking at FMW in '97, '98, so like 23 years ago, and then it's Combat Toyota. It'll be the anniversary show where Combat retired, and it's Combat and Bigumi Kudo who were big stars against Anita. And Tenaru, <laughs> who were megastars. So it wasn't really being presented as equals. But in this particular event, on this particular night, the only reason why the TJPW match went first was because it was the youngest championship of the three. And they had to figure out what was going to be the main event. So they went that way. And I think that's fair enough. But they were presented as equals, including in the closing ceremony, which we'll talk about later. But yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I think it was a really important match in Joshi history and is a really important match for the history of Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And it was the right two wrestlers to do this match. What are your thoughts on it, John? Holy shit, this brought the heat. Like, God, I've I've watched my fair share of Yamashita matches. I don't think I've seen her get hit quite so hard as Sakazaki was hitting her in this one. Like, they knew what stage they were on and they didn't hold anything back. Like, oh my God. I love this. Like, I've always been a fan of Yamashita. I love Sakazaki's work. And the pair here just put on an absolute masterclass. It was so damn good. So damn enjoyable. So damn intense. Yeah, I, I don't really think I can say much more about it that would do it justice. Yeah, it was it was exceptional. Just really enjoyed it. And... The timing was perfect, everything flowed nicely, and it was arguably the best of the three main events, I think, from a pure wrestling point of view. But it was the right story to tell, the two people who've been the most loyal to the company, and the match ends with a slap across the face from uh, Sakazaki Sakazaki, as she stalks off and leaves uh, Yamashita to the ring to herself. So there's more to come from this story. You know, they're, they're already laying the groundwork for the next chapter, They've already started, you know. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the story. And that's going to be really cool. And then it was the KOD Openweight Championship. The current champion, Yun Akiyama, defeated Harashima by referee's decision in 18 minutes and 53 seconds in another blinder. I don't know what they feed Yun Akiyama. Uh, He's 51 years old. I don't look that good, and I'm five years younger than him. And 
he can still put together a wrestling match like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> he is just a force of nature. Hiroshima, also excellent. Um, but as we were talking about with the New Japan guys, this does beg the question, a lot of the success of this year have been placing it, the title on Akiyama and his defences of the title. And the story has been about the DDT regulars kind of like having a go at this outsider that's come in and taken over their company, which is a great storytelling device. But Akiyama is 51 years old. <laughs> having said that... The same thing happened with Tanaka last year. Yeah. I think as well is the issue is, I think, it's not an issue so much as they've done well to do it this way and they're getting eyes on the product. And I think, to the point, Akiyama's run with this championship may be more important than his last All Japan Triple Crown run uh, because it's done more for the companies in. Um, however, he's 51 years old. <laughs> so... Where do you go from here? I mean, Akiyama looks like he could keep doing matches like this for another 20 years, but I don't think he will. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> Put it that way. What's your thoughts on it, John? Yeah, again, this was excellent. The two really meshed well. They told a great story. There was a lot of heavy, heavy hitting, a lot of submission. It was just really fun. It encapsulated what a DDT title match should be like. And showed that they can really do wrestling without the gimmicks. Yeah. I mean, Arashima's an outstanding worker and has been a mainstay in, in, in DDT for so long. And it just worked. It just clicked. And it was the big stage serious match that DDT needed to really showcase their organization and the depth of their wrestling, really, isn't it? Definitely. Um, intriguingly, <laughs> not that I like to, like, you know, Looking at the cage match stuff, we always put the Wrestling Observer newsletter, like Dave Meltzer's ratings on it. Meltzer rated uh, Yamashita versus Sakazaki as three and a half stars, uh, whereas the um, cage match crew rated it as 8.46. So further proof that Meltzer doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, Meltzer rated this at four stars, and the, the cage match crew rated it as 8.13 which is probably about right for both of them. Um, and then has probably the biggest disparity. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cage match users give it 7.4, and Dave gave it one half, one and a half. No, half. <laughs> and I'm like, really? One and a half stars? No, half a star. Oh, no, it's one and a half star. Could, no, one and a half stars. See, I can't see very well. I'm staring at my iPad and it's not getting any better. One, yeah, one and a half stars. Either way, not good. Um, and clearly on a different planet. To what, I'm not sure he watched that match. Because I know it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Marafuji at his best. It wasn't Muto at his best either. But Muto is 58 years old. Um, yeah. <laughs> Combined age of 99 years between the two of them. <laughs> I know, 109 years between the two of them. Having said that, would this show sell out nearly 5,000 people if Kijimuto isn't in the main event? I don't know. That's, that's a good question. That's, the bit, that's, that's basically all this boils down to. You know, Marufuji 
hasn't really been cooking for a couple of years. He hasn't had anything to get his teeth into. Muto came here off of the closure of Wrestle 1, and he wrestled like he's had no pressure. You know, he's had matches that haven't been great, but he's 58 years old, you know, and he hasn't had great, great wrestling matches in 15 years. So the, the question comes to beg, and if you're using him, you're using him as a draw. And I'd argue he's fulfilled that part of the bargain. He's put bums in seats. Now, now well, yeah, how you use that to go anywhere else, Marafuji wins the title. Should have stressed that, really. Marafuji won the title. The match was very good for what it was. And it kind of sets you up back on the narrative of the Noah old guard again, which is fine, but they've got to bring some people up, haven't they? Yeah, because you can't keep going around in circles with Goshi, Izaki, Marafuji, and and anyone else. They've got to kind of like put some people up there who are going to be around for another 10 or 15 years. And looking at their card today, they've got plenty of people who can do that. I did see a clip from today's Noah show that does kind of insinuate what they might be doing with Muto next. Ooh, what's that? Because, um... He's creeping up behind Keno in, like, his Muta mask. Ooh. <laughs> At least I think Ken- that was from today's show. I'd... Keno will love that, clearly. He oh, really, yeah. really enjoys character wrestlers, does Keno. Um, yeah, no, this was, I mean, this, this was... It had some absolutely great moments in it. You, The basic storytelling of can the old man put the young challenger away, even though the young challenger isn't really that young. <laughs> Um, and you know, and there's so much history wrapped up with Muta, the old one of the well, the triple crown champion, the uh, IWGP heavyweight champion, GH Global on the crown champion, former NWA heavyweight champion, you know, four major belts, all that legacy on the line. Marafuji, the the kind of the man that took over the mantle from Mara from Misawa, he's he is he is Noah. You cut. You cut Marafuji, bleeds green and black. He is as Noah as Noah can be. Everything was just the right story to tell at the right time for a big show. And you even get to the point where Muto looks at the top rope. Can he pull out the moonsault again? You know, he promised two years ago he'd never moonsault again. His knees just couldn't take it. Well, he had one more in him, but it wasn't enough. What more yeah, Marafuji want... proper no salt. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Okay, cool. He hit the moonsault. That should be it. Oh, it's a two count. And then all of a sudden, oh, Marafuji's back up and he's won the match. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it should have been a 2.9999 count. And I would like to, I would have liked a flurry of moves after that that allowed Muta to fall gracefully instead of just being like dumped on. But equally, yeah, it was corking. It was still a good match. And yeah, I don't know what. Like Cement Marifuji is the guy that killed off the old legend, then you certainly did that, but it wasn't graceful. <laughs> nah, it wasn't. And it, and it kind of is nice to see Marifuji and Ekiyama and Muto in the twilight of their careers all like, well, yeah, I say twilight of a career. Clearly, Marifuji's got at least another 10 in him if, the, if them two old gits are still motoring about having matches like this. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we don't need a big youth revolution. I hilariously, <laughs> someone did at the press conference after the show, someone asked Marafuji, who would you like to see challenge you? And I think somebody requested Kenny Omega on the grounds there should be some more youth challenge for that title. 
bearing in mind Kenny Omega is older than most of the Noah roster. That was hilarious. Yeah. Um, um, but I would, I had, I'd, I'd pay to see Marafuji versus Omega. That'd be cool. Amazing. Yeah, it'd be ace. If I'd rather see Marafuji versus Omega than Shingo versus Omega, to be honest with you, because I have an idea of what Shingo versus Omega would look like, but I have no idea what Marafuji versus Omega would look like, and I want to see that. Anyway, um, any more thoughts on this match? It was just really, like, really intense, really interesting. It was a very submission-heavy match because, well, both guys have knees as weak spots because Marufuji loves to kick his opponents to death and Muto's got no knees left. It's like they were very calculated in what they did. And do you know the best bit? What's that? This match lasted 23 minutes and 30 seconds. Yes. And it told more story than Okada yes. and Shingo in 13 minutes less. With only one big bump. Like This is this is the thing. The, the three main events for this were 16 minutes, 16 and a half minutes, nearly 19 minutes, and 23 and a half minutes. And all three of them told perfectly encapsulated stories that they needed to without any drag whatsoever. Yeah. Like you can mm. you can like shit on Marafuji and Muto for the rage and pace all you want, but it told the story and it told it quicker than New Japan do. Yeah. Like this is this was the one point I really wanted to drive here. This show lasted nearly six hours. And it somehow felt shorter than Dominion. Which lasted two and a half, if you take out the break. Like, how the hell does that work? How can I watch a show that's nearly three times the length feel less dragged out, less filler-heavy? than it's Dominion, just, one of the biggest New Japan shows of the year. It's just it's just basically because I think two reasons. The main reason was those wrestlers don't get to wrestle in front of that side crowds very often except the guys at the end of the show and they all know what they're doing so they could finish it off in a way that made it feel like a big event. And everything built, it was momentum. From the opening match going hell for leather, there was space and there was pacing. There was only one bum note that was that tag match that went for 20 minutes that should have gone for 12. But apart from that, everything flowed and it was smooth and everything told a story and they got the point across. It was writing... How can I put it? Cyberfight wrote a musical. Everything at a different point. There was something for you to see everywhere. And New Japan wrote a drama, but there was no levity. It was all harsh, harsh, harsh all the way through. And that's what made it drag. Everything was... It's like, I, Shivani used to get stick in WCW for saying, the greatest night of our sport, every time something happened. Like, literally every pay-per-view ever, he would say that. And he would, they were right to, because it didn't give you any relief. It didn't make you think you were watching something that was special, because everything was special. And Dominion didn't feel special because everything was so high stakes. Now, the individual matches didn't, weren't bad and nothing was particularly awful. It was all pretty well told, but there was no 
relief. It was all bang, 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 drama, 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 drama. We have to keep you hooked. Whereas Noah wasn't that. There was more drama in that comedy 10-man tag match with the DDT All-Stars versus Congo than there was in the entire product of New Japan in the last six months. But it felt more important than anything as New Japan's done in the last six months. Does that make sense? Yeah, like this is a company that isn't spinning its wheels or hasn't managed to get itself stuck in the mud. Unlike New Japan that is still trying to right the wrongs it made during 2020. And a lot of that could be said, and maybe this maybe this is where they've got it right. Because they've put old hands on the tiller. The champions of those companies are all veterans. Mio's won that championship three times. You're right, she's 25, but she carries herself like a 35-year-old. She has more presence in her little finger than a lot of the, lot of the New Japan guys have. Ayama could have a good match with a dustbin at this particular point in his career. In fact, the dustbin might actually look like it would win. And Moto, as much as he is slow and he is old, draws crowds and can control them in the palm of his hand, like he always has done. Because that phrase, wrestling genius, is absolutely true when it comes to Kieji Muto. He is truly a wrestling genius. And it's not because of his in-ring work, it's because he can control the crowd better than any wrestler I've seen in Japanese history. They will literally eat shit out the palm of his hands if he asks them to. And you haven't had that with New Japan. You've had experiments and twists and fits and maybe met this work and then it didn't work and then it did. And it only looked kind of nice when NATO was in charge of the company, like as champion, and it looked good. But you can't go with NATO forever because he's made of elastoplast. <laughs> Which is true. And there's nothing wrong with that. Tetsuya NATO, I love you. You are an amazing worker. However... You cannot run a championship for two or three years in a stretch like a Carter could because you just don't hold together for that long, which is fine. But it means that you can't consistently book the company in the main event and mm, and you end up with and that's what you get. I think it also kind of just falls down to how they managed the pandemic as well. Like Cyberfight had their um, complete closed set tapings they had regular content that wasn't really putting their performers at risk whereas new japan kept trying to run like just regular shows without fans and it didn't blow over quite as well yeah i mean well yeah i think when we first looked at it new japan seemed to be doing a lot better and i think it was a bit of a false positive and that's because wwe and impact and AEW were doing so badly and then you watch New Japan, you're like, ah, oh, they, they look like they've got it. They know what they're doing. And then, actually, we hadn't been watching TJPW, now we're in uh, DDT, so we didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was watching DDT because I was reviewing it at the time. You, you was, yeah. But, you know, I wasn't, so I wasn't watching regularly. But it, you, you kind of get the idea that, actually, somebody else is doing this better. <laughs> well, it's like... When New Japan first came out of the pandemic, you were looking, hey, they've got this sorted. The, the, everything looks cool and the matches are making sense. And this is, hey, this is sweet. And, and then, then by the time won. And Evil won the New Japan Cup and everything went, huh? No, <laughs> I was fine with Evil winning the New Japan Cup because he went evil and then he beat Naito. And that's when the world stopped making sense. 
Uh, what can you do? Just what can you do? This is such a rabbit hole because you start discussing something and it's just like, oh, well, this happened, then this happened. It's, it's like falling down the endless sort of rabbit hole of just how the hell did we get here? And we shouldn't because we've done enough podcasts about that. We should finish on a high note with Cyberfight because that show was awesome. Yeah, way to take six hours and make it compelling as hell. Yeah, and, 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 to, and to make great matches with people who shouldn't have great matches and have exceptional matches with people who should have exceptional matches. It was just so well managed. Yeah, it was just... it were, Five and a half hours was long and there was a couple of spots where it was obviously too long and I could have probably done with four less matches on it. But the guys at Cage Match gave it 9.1. That must rate it as the highest rated show far this year. And there's been some big shows in Japan this year to, to, to like compare that to. And again, like I said, it's the first time in 25 years that women have been the equal of men on a wrestling stage. And that was amplified in the closing ceremony when Marafuji came down, Yunakiyama came down, Miyu came down and Yunakiyama, the fifth pillar of the four pillars, the legend, the man himself, held the ropes open for Miyu. And the crowd gasped because he doesn't hold the ropes for nobody because <laughs> he's a wrestling god and he held the ropes open for Miyu. And they were presented as equal champions in that company. And that's the important thing. In my opinion, anyway. One giant step for progress. Indeed. Not the rest. Oh, no. But they're, they're, they seem to have recovered. But anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to the Troopany show today. My name is James Troopany, and this has been my show. I'd like to invite my guest, Mr. John Dinsdale. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. Not only is it an edgy as hell username, it is the gateway of to hell to all my writing, my opinions. My ranting about how Dead by Daylight is a great game that needs to be hideously reworked. And anything in between. I've got a whole ton of deathmatch stuff coming up because Fear the Gay Agenda was on, which has just hit IWTV. Uh, Heavy Metal Wrestling just had a massive weekend so yes there is more gore coming your way if you check out the twitter and steel chair there you go my name's james trooper you find me at sheriff lone star on twitter you can find the show troopany show on twitter you can find us on patreon and facebook at patreon you can keep the troopany show free forever for everyone myself and christy will be coming up with our uh, in the beginning special later in the month for our first um paid patreon show and next week, not really sure. Haven't got that far yet. Though the boys over at the Wrestling Rewind have been asking to be guests on the Troopini show. So I'm sure we can get Dara and Dave together to discuss some weird wrestling. Because that's what they like doing when they come on the Troopini show. I just find them weird stiff and stuff to make them go, look at that. I want, I want to explore Dave's love of wrestling in bodies of water. I feel that's something that we should know, go deeper on. I Show think this the is... FMW bathhouse death match. Yeah, no, he's seen that. Um, um, I, I reckon the JWP battle royal in a swimming pool from 1997 is one we could look at. Ooh. I know there was some 
they, by the way, they weren't like in swimming costumes or anything. They just did it in their wrestling gear and got wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there's um, that entire DDT water park show. Oh, yeah. yeah I could find that one. Um, the DDT in a river shows. Um, also, there is, I don't know, we'll find a few. We'll see what we can come up with because I think it's worth exploring wrestling and water. What more could you want? The ideal combination. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Oh, it's getting hot out there. Hey, indeed. It is summer. Maybe this is the exact time to do it. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.